Yeah. All right. How about we do this church thing? All right. So it is January 28th, and uh, <clears throat> we have some things for you guys to be praying for and uh, let you know about before we start our service today. So um, I suppose you guys saw the uh, the email go out. Um, for, let's see, we have Wilma's knee surgery, and uh, so just be praying for that. She's going to have surgery on her knee, and uh, let's pray for that to go well. And um, Sherry is recovering, and uh, so we're just praying for Wendy and Sherry, and also um, be praying for Sharon. Um, yeah, for Trisha's sister, Sharon. She's uh, at home on hospice. And uh, so be, be very weak and be praying for her family as they deal with this new situation or a continuing situation, but just the new development and learning to deal with what that means and uh, for her husband, Dick, and the kids. So Sharon is her name. So just be praying for Trisha's sister. And uh, we'll also be praying for our hearts and the hearts of those we love and the people we're in contact with to be flooded with light. And we're praying for the service this morning. And any other announcements that I've missed? Okay, in case you didn't hear that, uh, Dave's getting some his teeth worked on in the morning, and uh, so be praying for that, and uh, we will remember you for that, Dave. That's great. All right, let's go to the Lord. Father, there's a lot going on, and uh, a lot of people with different things happening, uh, illnesses, and, and uh, family members who are ill, and surgeries, and things to be taken care of, and Lord, uh, those can just weigh on our hearts, and uh, I just pray that we take all those to you this morning, Lord, and uh, we know that you care about them as much as we do, and even more than we do, and I just, I just pray that we take those burdens, take them to you, and trust you with them, and know that you have the best at heart for for those of us who are dealing with illnesses and things going on, for those who have family members who are dealing with serious illness and chronic, even terminal. Lord, I just pray for um, the family members of those who are, for like for Trisha's sister, um, who's in hospice now, and what that means for her husband and for their kids. I just pray that um, they would grow close to you, Lord, and understand your hand at work in her life and in their lives. Father, I pray for uh, you to be with the family. And for those who are undergoing surgery or recovering from illness, I just pray that you would be with uh, the doctors that are treating them and uh, providing good care. Thanks for um, all that you do in our lives. Father, I pray for this gathering here this morning. I pray that your light would be shined in our hearts 
and uh, that darkness would be driven out. Father, thanks for our place that we can gather with our family here and uh, the seen and the unseen family and that we know that you're here with us. We offer all these things to you in your son's name. Amen.
over the Jesus, the promise keeper. So this, this is part of manifestations of the Messiah. But this, this part of this thing, uh, uh, well, I just promise it's going to mess with you. Let me put that over there for a second. Okay. Jesus made a promise. And this is at the end of chapter uh, 28 of Matthew. And he said, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That should bring some comfort to our hearts that Jesus, the Son of God, is going to be with us. And uh, he was with them in, in their day. He's with us in our day. And then we move on. Bookends and a failed promise. This is from Acts chapter 1. So Matthew 28 is taking place into the gospel, and then he leaves the planet. That's Acts chapter 1. So this, this is after uh, most of the gospels have covered his resurrection. So bookends and a failed promise. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So he has two angels, uh, or two angels come up to the disciples and or who always whoever was all gathered there, but the disciples are part of this group, and then it it could be all the familiar other people and faces that you you read about in the gospels. So he left. So to heaven and back again. Jesus ascends to heaven, and Jesus returns from heaven. So he's going to be with us. Always, he said, "I'm going to be with you to the end of the age." And then he goes to heaven, and then he returns from heaven. And that's what we're told in Acts chapter one, and that's what we've been told. And if you've been, uh, depending on what what group you've been part of in the church, that's what you've you've heard a lot about the um, Jesus. What he did at the in his in his death burial and resurrection, you hear about that. These are common in in the songs that we sing. So if you've whether they're hymns or even contemporary Christian songs, there's a, a sort of a same pattern. Jesus came, he died, uh, sins are washed away. That's more hymn-like than it is some of the contemporary Christian ones. But then there will be two or three, four verses that will deal with the sin, my issues in, in this world, uh, typically with, with uh, getting it right with Jesus. And then the final one, well, the tempo picks up, and then there's this great chorus that will lead us into his return. When, when we see him, when he comes, when the glorified... We're in heaven. That's going to be often the final verse, which is, which is always, I mean, it's fun to get to that, that place in those songs. So we have two things. Jesus came, left, 
coming back. Does Jesus visit during the gap years? Is Jesus with us even to the end of the age? Or did we just get ripped off? And so we have bookends, but we have a failed promise. If all he did was back there and all the songs sing that way, and then he's coming back. So all of this 2,000 years in between is a big gap. What is going on? Hasn't messed with you yet? So let's see. What about the gap years? We're going to take a look at that. Jesus in the gap. So we're going to look at some things that have to do with the Apostle Paul and the manifestations of Jesus because we want to see how does does the Messiah manifest himself and if there is something that happens in the gap from his ascension back to heaven and when he returns in the final day. So what is there anything to give us a clue? That's what we're looking at. So this this could be like a, a I don't know, you know, if you're into watching mystery murder mysteries on TV or something, this is you know, we're going to follow the evidence and see where this takes us. So this is this is part of it. So this is from Galatians chapter one. Jesus taught Paul. Jesus taught Paul. Dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. So I had a period of time where he is out And the Lord is teaching him, so he's got information that he can share with us. It's in his letters. He's written uh, more of the New Testament than anyone else. So we've got this guy who got taught by Jesus, but it's in the gap. Just wrap your head around that. It's in the gap. He's ascended to heaven. He hasn't returned yet. It's in the gap. So he's taught during that time. So when Jesus said, I'm with you always. Huh. Maybe he was. Maybe he is. So we'll go back to his appearance to Saul on the the road to Damascus. That's when Saul realized, I'm making a big mistake with Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's a problem and we need to crush everyone that's hanging around him. And then he changed his mind. So from Acts chapter 9, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. 
Acts 9, 3 through 9. Okay, so he's, he's experienced Jesus. He's blind. He's in the city. He's just trying to wrestle with what just happened to me. And he realizes this is big, that Jesus is real. The resurrected Jesus has come and found him on the road to Damascus and delivered this message to him. So now he's, he's changed. This is in the gap. This is after the ascension. So what did Jesus reveal to him during that three days or, or there in that moment on, on the road? Everything, all that you've read in the New Testament that Paul wrote came about in that moment. No, he's still just trying to figure out where the nearest bathroom was to clean himself up after this experience. So he had no time to, oh, there's more to this. Than just, you, you're for real, and I messed up. So he's got, to get, he's got to work through that. And he is now blind, which I think sealed the deal, like, okay, I really messed up. I really couldn't, I didn't see this. And then, then the Lord uh, has Ananias come and pray for him, and he can you know, see, and he realizes, i got things to do. He didn't get... One of the reasons for telling you this whole story is he didn't get a bunch of info there. It didn't come at that point. He experienced Jesus and he turned around, but that was not the place where he got additional info. He got it when he was receiving direct revelation from Jesus. So Paul went to Arabia for three years and trained with Jesus. Galatians 1, 17 through 19 uh, he said, I didn't go to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. So he's he's coming back. He meets Peter and he hangs out with James, so he's getting some information. And it's, uh, he's not there to get training. He's only there for a couple of weeks. But he is there to touch base and compare, compare notes. And he does more of that. But it, it's interesting that he was um, not compelled to go immediately back to these guys who had been trained by Jesus, taught by Jesus for their three years, he stays in Damascus, and he's making Christ known already back in Damascus. He's not gone back to Jerusalem. And this guy was part of the fabric of the town back in his day. He was was of such a level among the Pharisees that that's where his his house would have been. It probably was really nice because they've dug up some of those in recent times and very nice uh, arrangements for these guys who lived in Jerusalem. So he doesn't go back. And Jesus has grabbed his heart. He's moved him in another direction. He's teaching some things. And eventually, three years later, he comes by. But they have to get him out of Damascus. That's another story where they let him down with a basket, remember, to escape because he's ticked off everybody, which is kind of his thing the rest of his life. And he has learned something in this time that Jesus is giving him direct revelation 
on these, on these things. Uh, Paul went to the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus appeared to him in a vision. Acts 22, verse uh, 17 to 23. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in a complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow. He's not fit to live. They yelled, threw their coats off, tossed handfuls of dust into the air. They were mad. So he had this vision. The Lord's met him on the, on the road to Damascus. He's been trained by Jesus in Arabia, and then he's back ministering in Damascus. And now he's, he sees him in the temple, and the Lord's saying, you got to get out of here. These guys are after you. And uh, he's just... See, running into Jesus. So does Jesus show up in the gap after the ascension, before his return? He, he does. He's been doing it. He's working with Paul. So that, I mean, just it just gives us a clue. There's there's more to this. Paul was uh, encouraged to keep going when Jesus appeared to him in a vision. This is another one in Acts chapter 18. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. Now, what in the world? So Jesus shows up, talks to him. He is uh, dealing with the people in Corinth. So there's a scenario. He, He is... He's come across from Troas, which is on the Turkey side of the Isthmus. You know that where those things meet. He goes to Philippi, gets some people there, um, gathered together into a church. Thessalonica, he goes there. Berea, he goes on down. He's in Athens. And he has to keep going there because people keep attacking him along the way as he's telling about Jesus. In order to get these churches established, the mission team... The, the guys who are with him, stay. So he just assigns Timothy and Silas, and you guys stay, one of you stay here, one of you stay there, and, and I'll leave because I seem to be the problem <laughs> that stirs everything up. So I'll leave, and you work with the people. So he leaves. He's in Athens alone, and he takes a stand on Mars Hill. It's quite a, quite a story. He leaves there, didn't get a big response, but some, you know some people believed him. He goes to Corinth, which is a big, big city, big maritime city at the time. And he, he's down there. They, you know, they worship all these other gods, all these places do. And he is there alone. He's been on his own now for a while, uh, either getting run off or beat up or, you know. And you just think, how discouraging would that be after a while? And he doesn't have any income. So he goes to 
the center of the city in the marketplace, and he runs into a couple of other people who were Jewish, and they they were run out of Rome. And as often was the case in those days, for many of these Jewish people, they had a profession, and they were also trained in some kind of uh, technical job. So they had they had two things going for them. So he he was a tent maker, so he knew how to how to do something with his hands and make some money. So he joins up with them. They had that same trade. So he joins them, and they make some money together, and he tells them about Jesus, and they're all excited about that. So that starts a process. He speaks in the synagogues, and he's threatened again, and people aren't listening, and there's a whole series of things that unfold, and he's just tired and worn out and broke. Well, unless his tents were really good which maybe they were. But anyway, at this point, he is ready to bail. That's when we pick him up here in Acts 18, and the Lord shows up. So there's no Timothy, no Silas. There's no, he's just there. And the Lord shows up and talks to him and encourages him. He says, I got a lot more people because you know the goal is I want to get more people in my family. And I got, there's a bunch of them out here in Corinth. May not look like it, but there are. Just stay. Keep doing this. So he does. In a vision, the Lord shows up. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. I'm with you. See that I am with you thing? Remember what he was called, you know, when we do Christmas? Emmanuel. God with you. God with us. So we got, we've got evidence that the Son of Man, the Son of God, is... Uh, doing what he said I will be with you till the end of the age and here he is being encouraged he's he's there he's kind of uh, wondering if he should be in this town or move on to somewhere else because nobody's really listening and uh, you may have been in a similar situation with family or friends and wondered man I don't know if anybody's ever going to hear this they need to hear this but they're not listening well Paul was in that situation, and the Lord said, keep at it. Don't quit. Keep going. So he encouraged him. He showed up in the gap. Um, a little bit later, this is Acts chapter 23. Paul was encouraged by Jesus, and, and this is even though he's arrested. Um, as the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force, take him back to the fortress. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Now, he knew he was going to be arrested, or he knew things were going to go sideways when he was headed that direction earlier. And he, he's already left Ephesus, said, I'm not going to see you guys again. That's Acts 20. He makes his trip across as he stops at the churches. He's saying goodbye because i you know, I got to go to Rome. And I've got to go to Jerusalem. And then this whole thing's going to happen. And so there are even prophets who come along and say, don't go. You're going to get bound. You're going to be tied up. You're going to be. And the, and the read on that the interpretation from the Christians was, so it's going to be hard, so don't go. And Paul said, the Spirit's already told me that that's going to happen, so I'm going. So I don't know if you think about 
in, in the gap in your time, in your life, you're living it, you go, you know, something hard happened. Obviously, God has bailed on me. Mm, no. That may be exactly your opportunity to do the thing that God has designed you for. Not a time to go, wow, he's bailed. I got to go through a hard time. I'd interpret a hard time as you avoid going there, which is what the other Christians were doing to Paul. He's going, no, no, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's where I'm supposed to go. So he goes and he's arrested. This is in Jerusalem. He's in the temple and he hasn't done anything wrong, but he gets accused of it and he's arrested by the Romans who at this point are arresting him to protect him and then they're going to beat him but they find out he's a Roman citizen and that's against the law so they don't. But he's there and things are looking bad. So now he's taken for his protection to go see the governor and he is kept there in jail, having done nothing wrong for two years. He tells him about Jesus. Everybody laughs at him says, yeah, that's cute. And they, he says, well, I appeal to Caesar because there were, they were, there were some threats again on his life. So he's supposed to go to Caesar, go to Rome. That's how he gets to Rome. So it wasn't a nice cruise on the way. They, you know, the ship is uh, in trouble. So he is... Uh, He's arrested at this point. Jesus shows up, encourages him, and says, just keep going. Uh, just as you've been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. And as Christians, you know, we're going, oh, you know, the Lord said I'm going to Rome. I think that's, you know, by 737 or a nice cruise. Somehow I'm going to get to Rome. Not in a prison ship. Paul was encouraged by Jesus again he said I am with you always even to the end of the age they have a they're on the ship the prison ship he's on his on his way across the Mediterranean on the way to Rome and then they're caught in a storm the ship's coming apart there it looks like they're all gonna die out there this is Acts chapter 27 Paul was in a ship in the storm. The angel appeared to him to encourage their survival. And he gets up and talks to the, uh, the commander there, and he says, Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. And they were. They were. So he shows up. I mean, the angel, this is the angel. Uh, the Lord sent help and encouragement, which he's done again, but he keeps, he's like keeping an eye on Paul, whatever is going on. So again, in your Christian mind, you're thinking, well, shouldn't it be comfortable? And couldn't he made the storm hit somebody else and not them, like those the other people that don't even believe in Jesus? How about just, you know, make their boat sink? But it's his boat. He's already a prisoner. This isn't a pleasant thing. And now he's in a ship that's going to sink. He's got to go through that. And yet, Jesus told him he's going to Rome. And he's probably thinking, I wanted a first-class ticket, not this one. And now he's in this ship that's in danger, and 
the Lord's still keeping an eye on him, sends an, an angel and sends him a message. Just keep going. Be encouraged. So is the Lord with us in the circumstances of life in the gap? Or is it just that we need to wait till he comes back to take over? And in between, it's just a nice idea. We just need to be good people. We need to just be good Christian people. Or is there something else going on here? And that Jesus is actually involved. He's actually keeping an eye. He knows where we are. If we're on a road to Damascus, if we're in this big city of Corinth in the middle of all the hubbub, if we're in the temple, if we're on a boat in the Mediterranean, and he can keep an eye on us, no matter what, no matter where. And he's saying, just keep going. Just keep doing what I've called you to do. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In our case, yeah, it's, it's going to be a few years. <laughs> it's not going to be thousands. But he's talking to his people, all his people. And he says, I'm, I'm there in the gap, not just back in the gospel in the first century and not just when I return. All the way through. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Don't be afraid. You will accomplish these things. God in his goodness. Now, you've got to look at that. The guy standing in a boat that's about to go under, they haven't eaten in days. Everybody's scared. They're screaming a lot. God in his goodness. And just, I mean, while you're getting pelted by the wind and the waves, just God in his goodness. Now, now Say that again because God in his goodness. Wow. He defines that way different than I do. And yet here he is. He's with you always till the end of the age. And he's going to have safety for everyone sailing with him. It would have been nice if the boat just held up and we weren't in this storm. Nope. You're in the storm. Boat's going to come apart. You will be shipwrecked. And I got more for you. And it's going to be through the shipwreck. And there is more to the story. It's amazing. And Paul's response to that, I believe God, and I believe it'll be just like he said. And he's telling these people who don't know God, because they have other gods. And uh, amazingly, there are the herd of them who come to know Jesus by the time this whole event is over. And then that reaches into Caesar's household. So this is pretty cool. Paul's revelation, revelation in heaven. And this, this is Second Corinthians 12, verses 1 and 2. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. And he goes, yeah. Fills in a little bit. He doesn't give us a whole lot of information, but he is telling us that the Lord shows up, and in the gap, one of the things, he sends angels, so he's, he's keeping an eye on them, and he sends help, and sometimes he just brings them to heaven. So he gets to see Jesus. He gets to hang out with them there. He gets both. Um, it's pretty amazing. So in the gap, there's a whole lot of, of different aspects of this going on so does jesus visit during the gap years is jesus with 
us always, even to the end of the age. Yeah. Yeah. We have it in Scripture. And for some who cannot stand the idea that I've just thrown out here about this gap, their response to that is, let's just uh, say it only happens in the first century or it only happens to those who are uh, apostles or those who are writing the in the Bible. And then after that, he doesn't show up anymore. That still makes Jesus a liar because he said he would be with us, his people, till the end of the age. So mm, I'm not buying the theory because I am not buying that Jesus lied. And this is just a, a pattern or a, a, a model. I mean, he gives us instructions, but he's giving us these stories so that we know this is where he shows up. And there are other passages where he uses the plural rather than the singular. So these visions and revelations are happening routinely. This isn't just on occasion or on these few times that I've shared. This is going on a lot. And the hints to that are scattered in his writings so when you read in paul's writings in the new testament you go where'd he get this well the lord told him well how's he know about heaven he was there so how can he tell us what the bodies are like there versus the bodies on earth in first corinthians 15 he was there who else did he meet with jesus who's resurrected he's been there well, did he figure out that the bodies are different? Yeah. And he's telling us about it in 1 Corinthians 15. Hmm. And all that just happens like in a twinkling of an eye thing. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 4, he's telling us. There's all of these. Where did he get that? Jesus told him. Jesus, Jesus showed him. He got to go see those things revealed. It's just incredible. And was Jesus with them? Yeah. Was it all just comfortable and nice and and uh, rosy? Uh, not hardly. And Jesus was with them? Yeah. Because he's with us in the gap. And when we're walking with him, we're listening to him. Uh, we're, when we're obedient to him, that shows that we love him. If we love him, the Father will love us. And then he will... Reveal himself to us. Did he lie? No, he does in some fashion. Well, maybe I should expect that he shows up in the gap. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe there's more to this. Maybe some of the times when he says, I will come back or I am coming or the son of man is coming. He's not talking about this one. He's talking about this one. That is worth exploring. Not today, because people want to eat lunch. Is Jesus with us always, even to the end of the age? Yes. Jesus is with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Jesus has all authority. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. Wow. So does Satan have more authority than him? Does the darkness have more authority than the light? No. Jesus has all authority. Jesus provides his sacrifice for you. 
He's done that. That's the atonement. That is his laying down his life on our behalf and accomplishing things we can't even imagine he's done. But he's opened the way to our real life, to the new life with God the Father. Uh, Jesus is with us uh, in, in, in his sacrifice, but also Jesus gives you access in prayer in his name. That's another way that he is with us. He's hearing the prayers, but if you use, you use his name, it's by his authority. It's by his character. It's by his relationship with God the Father. That prayer is heard. And if we're asking it in his name, we're not asking in vain. It's not like, well, I just want, I want me a new Mercedes. And we just come up with, when we're praying according to his will, we get it. We understand what he's trying to do in this world, which is to put this family together, which means sometimes we're going to have a shipwreck in order to get the family because it's on, the, on an island and some of them are on your boat and you got to go through this too. But I'm with you. Always, till the end of the age. But when you pray, if you pray according to my will, according to what I'm trying to do, instead of just always telling me what you're whining about, let's just see what might happen. I'm with you always. Jesus gives you access in prayer in his name. Jesus speaks and his people can hear him. You can hear him. You can... That, Communication from the Lord may come in a variety of ways. We cover that a lot on these spiritual dimension retreats. You may be getting it from the scripture. It may be through songs. It may be through someone else. It may be through nature. It may, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, or he just audibly may just get your attention or just show up. So he can do all that. He can, whatever he wants to do, he, can, he, just let, he has all authority. He can do whatever he wants. Jesus manifests and his people can experience him. We see that. That's all of these things are in the gap. All of these things happen to Paul. All of these things happen to all of these people. Remember, he first met with, uh, Paul comes back from Damascus. He meets with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. So Peter's had training with Jesus for three years, a little over. And so he's, he's walked with him. He's seen him, you know, the resurrected Jesus James is his brother. He grew up with him. How horrible would that be? I got this perfect older brother. I got to live with this. I need therapy. Anyway, he's, he's, his, the family thinks he's nuts. Remember, they come to Jesus. He's in meetings, and the, and, and the, the whole group is there. The, his brothers and sisters going, you got, get him out of there. He's just, he's like got this Messiah complex or something. We got to get him, get him some help. And he just ignores them. He just keeps going. And then in the end, he is put to death, buried, resurrected, and he goes to visit James. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. He goes to visit his brother. And guess what? Brother James goes, oh, you were telling the truth the whole time. Dang it. I should have made my bed, taken out the trash. (laughs) Oh. Guess who becomes the head of the church? His brother, James. It's so cool. He comes and visits with him. But all the things that he knew about Jesus before he ever took on the the mission or the ministry, 
He's going, oh, wow. And then he sat around. He heard some of the stuff, too, some of the teaching, which is why he thought he was crazy. But now he doesn't. Now he thinks, oh, my. He's my Lord and my God. Mom was right. I thought she was making that up. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's him. So he gets to see... He goes to see James in, in the gap. He goes to see Paul in the gap. He sees Peter in the gap. He's seeing Mary in the gap. I mean, these are, these are all, you know, this, between the ascension and his return. All that's going on. It's pretty cool. He's got a lot, a lot that he wants to do, and he's not done with us. He wants to come alongside, and he may speak to us or show up in similar ways. He, he's not limited, so he may have other ways. He's, you know, already spoken to us, moved in our hearts, moved in our lives, but he has a lot more that he wants to bring. So we're, we're not done yet, and, and he's not done yet. So we haven't reached the end of the age. So uh, it, well, just strap in because it could get interesting as, as he shows up. He also heals. That's part of the, what Jesus does during this time. He does it in his in the time that he's walking the earth with, during his training of his disciples, but afterwards, still doing it. I mean, that's what he does, and it's in the name of Jesus. So, um, if you want something's going on, we need to pray for some physical healing, emotional healing, relational things, whatever kind of things are happening. We're going to do some. We'll do something with that after after the service. Just. Come wander up this way. I put healing stuff right there. The anointing oil is right there. We're good to go. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you keep your promises. You said you would be with us, and you are. Thank you. Lord, uh, forgive us for being blind to who you are and to your appearances. Lord, help us to hear and to see you in the things that you're doing in our lives, Uh, the things that you want to reveal to us, the things you're teaching us, the things you want to correct, the things you want to encourage, the things you want to heal. Just make us, uh, Lord, yours, and we just thank you because there is no one else who has all authority in heaven and earth, and there is no one like you, and we thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.
Pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Amen.